Well, good morning. Welcome to the JAR. We're so glad that you're uh, here this morning. Our uh, men's basketball team, which I play on, uh, played last night. We were in the championship game, and I pulled both of my groin muscles. Um, so volleyball is out for me for uh, a long time, among many other things. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Just Walk Across the Room, which is up here uh, on the side. And we've simply been talking about how do we develop friendships with people and how do we discover their stories as we connect closer to God. And we learned that everybody can do this. Every single one of us can develop relationships and can discover stories. And this past week, I discovered a story that I thought was pretty cool and uh, would just like to share it with you. There's a woman in our church by the name of Cindy. And uh, Cindy has been coming to the jar for about uh, four years. She's a very quiet and reserved and shy person. And uh, she's gone through two kind of painful divorces. And because of some of the pain that she's experienced uh, in her own life, she's learned to just kind of isolate herself from other people. And four years ago, she started hanging out uh, here at the JAR. She got to uh, know God, uh, decided that she would kind of follow His cause, and was baptized and began serving. But she told herself early on that I will never invite anyone to church or talk about spiritual things because I am not a spiritual superstar. Well, about a month ago, when we first kind of said we were going to do this series on Walk Across the Room, uh, Cindy wasn't so sure that she liked the concept. I mean, she was shy and quiet. And uh, just in hearing the title of the series, it kind of uh, freaked her out a little bit. And she said, well, I'm going to try it before I decide to read the book. I mean, Walk Across the Room, it's not a big concept. You just walk across the room, build a friendship. And so, one particular week, her car had some car trouble. And she took it into the shop to get it uh, fixed and worked on. And as she walked in the front door, she walked across the room to Daniel, who was uh, her mechanic that she knew. And she told him about the needed repairs that she uh, needed to have taken care of. And all of a sudden, he started opening up about the health problems of his one-year-old daughter. And the surgeries that were going to have to happen and uh, how anxious and worried um, he was about this. And in that moment, Cindy kind of felt a prompting. This quiet, reserved, shy person felt a prompting to not preach Jesus or not quote some scripture that says, Oh, God will take care of you. But she simply said, would it be okay if I prayed for you, not right now, but a small group and I, that we'd start praying? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. Well, a couple of weeks later, she went back to the shop and she bought a little bunny and a card and was going to bring it to Daniel to give uh, to his daughter. It took all the courage and guts and strength that she had to walk across this room and try to find out where Daniel was. 
she came up to the counter where there was a person standing. And in this oil-smelling, tire-smelling, smoke-filled shop, she talked to the person and found out that Daniel wasn't even there. And she's thinking to herself, what do I do with this bunny and this card now? It took all the guts I had to even get to the counter. And now he's not here. So she asked the guy, would you be willing to give this to Daniel? And the guy stopped and this is what he said. You are the lady that's been praying for Daniel, aren't you? And she's like, Oh, crap. What what'd I get into, you know? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, that's cool. He said, I want to go to your church. He didn't even know she went to church. Now, all of this is just saying that isn't that a great story? A very normal story. I mean, here's a shy, bashful woman who goes into a repair shop where it's all men, and through the act of simply listening and showing love, she builds a relationship, and Daniel and maybe his friends are here today, I don't know. But can you imagine what they think about God now? Because here was a woman who was just normal and just showed love. You know, there's really nothing like a good story, is there? I mean, I love stories. You put two people together, and eventually they start telling stories. You put a grandma and a grandson or a granddaughter on their lap, and they tell stories. Two men in a fishing boat, they tell stories. It was this big. Right? Strangers uh, stuck at an airport, they pick up a story and they talk about it. Or maybe you run into an old friend and eventually you're just telling stories. Now, no one likes conversations like this, especially wives. How was your day today? Fine. How was your day? Fine. Why do you ask? Okay, bye. Whoa, that's huge, man. You know, why don't we like conversations like that? Because there's no story. I was thinking this week, if I were to tell you that I knew a story about a mariachi band, a fifth of tequila, and a cat, I have a feeling that some of you would want to know what that story is. I don't have a story like that. But I mean, we love stories. There's the center of who we are. And they form us at a very young age. We learn about stories as a little kid. In fact, I want to share three stories. And I want to see if you can figure them out. Okay? Here's the first one. Once there was a poor girl who was forced to work very hard for her wicked stepmother. One night, her fairy godmother magically created a beautiful ball gown and glass slippers for her feet. She went to the ball, met the prince, and lived happily ever after. What's the story? Cinderella, you know that. Here's another one. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who wandered into a house in a woods. She ate some porridge, 
that was in the house, sat in the chairs, and finally fell asleep in the smallest one's bed. She was awakened by the family of three, and when they saw that, when she saw them, she was frightened that so much that she ran away from home. What's the story? Goldilocks and the three pigs, three bears. That's my story, folks. Now you know the next one. I'm not even going to do it. I'm going to save you time right now. Okay? Three little pigs and a big bad wolf. You know the story? Good. We're done. All right. Go home. Enjoy your day. At an early age, though, we learn to listen to stories and we love to tell them because of this. Stories are powerful. And that's kind of the first key to communicating like a walk-across-the-room type of person is that stories are powerful. The first story that was ever written was this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first words that are ever mentioned, the first story that is ever told, is God created the heavens and the earth. And the story goes on that He created everything in creation. And finally, He came to the pinnacle of creation, which was human beings. In other words, you and me, and He created us. And after the story of creation, God continues to tell more and more stories of these people that He created. And we have a Bible in which all of those stories are told in both the New and the Old Testament. The first and second half of the Bible. And God created us as people not because He was lonely, but because He wanted and He desired a family. And this entire book is about God's plan of building a relationship with us and sharing with us all that He has. In fact, the Bible says this, It was a very happy day for God when He gave us our new lives through the truth of the Word, and we became, as it were, the first children in His new family. The stories in this book are powerful because they're stories of God's kids. And the story of your life is powerful because you're one of His kids. And in this book called the Bible, there are wise words And there's healing words, and there's gentle words, and grace-filled words, and most of all, there are words of love. Now my question for you this morning is this. Are these the type of words that you're known for speaking? I mean, like if we were to take your closest friends, and your family, the people you live with, and we hung out with them, and we said, here's a survey, we really want you to tell the truth, and we ask them, when you think of this person, you, would they say that the course of your normal everyday life, that you can be counted on to speak words of encouragement and love? Or let's take this example. Just this morning. Think about the very last thing you said before you walked into the gymnasium today. Do you remember who you were talking to? Do you remember what you said? Were the words life-giving and inspiring and filled with love? Or were they well? Not! 
You know, it's just interesting to me that God chooses words to be so powerful that they dwell and they occupy a huge power in our lives. You know, there's a phrase out there that we learn early on. I'll see if you can finish it for me. It goes, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words... Isn't that the biggest idiotic phrase ever in the history of the human language? That's dumb! That is a dumb phrase. Don't teach your kids that, because it's dumb. It is. Dumbest thing you've ever seen. Because words do hurt. And words are powerful. And stories are powerful. And it just seemed to me that if we could find ways to use our words for the good of other people's lives, if we could be known for being clear and humble and encouraging with our words, then just maybe we could kind of put a kibosh on a culture in which when they think of the word Christian, they think of judgmental, rigid, egotistical, and uptight. And maybe if just this little small group called the jar would use our words and our stories with love and encouragement, they might start saying Christians are humble and caring people. They tell the truth. They care for the poor. They're the most generous people I know. And I just believe that if we become those type of walk-across-the-room type of people sharing those type of words, people really would be open to God's story. And that's kind of our second point here. God has a story. Learn to tell it well. God has a story. Learn to tell it well. You know, a lot of your friends and family and neighbors and co-workers, they're open to who God's story is all about. And as you use words of encouragement and love and you develop friendships and you discover stories, God is going to blow open doors in your life to talk about spiritual things. He's going to give you an opportunity to speak a word for Him. Or tell someone why you started walking with Him and how He's impacted your life. And the question is, what are you going to say? When someone actually kind of says, okay, I hear you went to church this Sunday, even if this is your first Sunday. What's this God thing about? I mean, what would you say to a friend or coworker or neighbor if they came up to you and they said this? You know, Joe... Assuming your name's Joe, okay? But you know, we've been friends for a long time, and I think it's cool that you never kind of forced the God card on me. And even though you probably knew that it would be better if he was in my life than out of it, you never, you know, kind of just Bible, you know, beat me or anything. Well, anyway, things in uh, my marriage have, uh, have kind of gone south. And my wife and I are just kind of thinking about uh, going to church, kind of trying this God plan. So kind of as a, a last-ditch effort, before we just call it quits, I just wonder, before I dive into this, I just wonder if you could tell me a little bit more. What is it about God that so many people are attracted to? And is He really all that necessary in your life? So the question becomes, what would you say? And some of you are freaking out right now, aren't you? 
you're going, I wouldn't know what to say. I have no idea. I like the jar thing. I like the church thing. You know, Isaac and the band are great. Bunch, you're all right. But, uh, you know, when it comes right down to it, I don't know what I would say. Well, guess what? I didn't either. Most of my adult life, people would come up to me. Almost everyone I knew was a Christian, so I didn't connect with anybody. I wouldn't know what to say. And then one day, as I was studying about how to learn God's story, I learned what I think is a tried and true kind of way of explaining it, and it's called the bridge illustration. I mean, the next time a friend or a um, family member or coworker or neighbor really wants to know who this God is and what he's done for you, you can grab a piece of paper, a napkin, you know, whatever, and you can just kind of draw this image. And it may be an image in which, uh, you know, in a real way, it's unforgettable. And I realize that some of you are here today and you're like, what are you talking about? I don't even know if I know where God's at. Well, I hope this illustration might help you to understand a little bit further of where it's at. The first thing that you have to realize is that as you're talking to someone who's, con- who's open to the things of God, that you have to let them know that there are kind of two realities in life. That there are people, and if you want to write this along with me, you can. And there's God. And between people and God is kind of this chasm or this divide, this division between people and God. And the reason that there is this kind of division or this chasm, this gap between people and God is because we've all rebelled against God. Every single person here, every single person who has ever been born. My rebellion in college lasted from day one until the day I graduated. And um, we all know what that is. And the Bible calls this sin. And what happens is we realize that there is this gap, and most of us, what we try to do is we try to think that if we have enough human effort that we can get across to God. And so we start with human effort trying to do something, but at the end we finally realize all of our human effort doesn't get us to kind of cross the chasm. But thankfully, God kind of sympathizes with us, and He loves us so much. He loves you so much. He loves people so much. He loves his family, his children so much, that he said, I think what I'll do is I'll send myself in the form of my son Jesus and I want to bridge this gap. And that's what happened when Jesus came to earth. His whole purpose was to help people cross the chasm. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you're at, you can cross the chasm. But the solution isn't human effort. It's a relationship with Jesus. Now, you'll, you might look at that. I mean, the artwork's not that great, right? But you might look at that and you'll go, okay. Well, if you leave from here, the only thing I really want you to remember is this. And it's Jesus Christ came to earth to be the bridge. 
Your bridge. My bridge. The bridge of all humankind. And whoever makes the decision to cross the bridge will live in eternity with God. Your home in heaven is safe. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. A couple of months ago, uh, went out to lunch with a very bright woman, and she was kind of struggling financially. And we built a friendship. She had been coming to the jar for a while with her daughter and granddaughter. And I said, hey, let's go to lunch sometime. She said, that would be great. So we're, we're in the midst of lunch. And, you know, I'm not thinking anything except trying to get to know her a little bit better. In the midst of this, she asks, she says this. She goes, I want a relationship with this God that you're talking about every Sunday. But I just don't think I'm good enough. I mean, I smoke. I'm struggling with debt. My daughter has this horrible illness. I'm sure it's due to the way that I've lived my life. I'm not a horrible person. I mean, you don't have to leave the table or anything, Chris. You know, and at that point I'm thinking, I don't want to leave, man, but I don't know what's coming next, you know. She goes, you know, my past was just kind of ugly. And so I felt a prompting to share this illustration with her. I didn't have a piece of paper, didn't have a pen, asked the server to bring it. She gave it to me, kind of wrote it down, and we just sat. And she asked all kinds of questions. I tried to answer the ones that I could, and the ones I couldn't, I said, I don't know. And finally, I asked her, so where do you think you are on this? Are you kind of over here? You know, if we put an X over here, you're here. you kind of over there, and you're thinking about walking, or or you're ready to kind of have this life relationship with God? Where, Where are you at? And she said, well, I just think I'm walking, but I'm not quite there yet. Now, at that moment, I didn't try to go, well, woman, you need Jesus. And I'm going to bring you to Jesus. I said, all right. I said, I think i got a resource that might help you. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. I'll, I'll drop it off to you. You can read it anytime you want. She said, great. She's been reading that book. I said, you want to talk to me anytime? we got a person that she's a good friend with here. And I said, if you have any questions, you go and you talk to him. Now, this illustration might be great for you. Others of you go, no way. No way. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not for me. I don't care what the illustration is, but come up with something that you can figure out how you could help people when they ask about things of God that you could tell that story. And no matter what kind of words you use, use humble words, encouraging words, loving words, words that are just dripped with God's amazing love. Because remember, it's not your responsibility to get this person transformed all the way to that point. That's God's job. We're just supposed to be open to listening to promptings so that if there are tender words that we could share, we could do it. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, here's a final key in communicating like a walk across the room type of person, 
And that's realizing that you have a story. You have a story. Learn to tell it and tell it well. You have a story. Learn to tell it and tell it well. You see, not only does God have a story, but you have a story. If you have a relationship with God, regardless of where you're at, and you're here with some kind of relationship, and you want a little bit more of Jesus in your life, and you've kind of said, you know what, I do want Him to be kind of in there, then you have a powerful story to tell. I mean, regardless of how old you are, when you came to faith, hopefully your life is different before God, and it's different after you came to God. When Jesus kind of invaded your world, hopefully your life looks a little bit different because of His grace and forgiveness. Take, for instance, the blind man in John chapter 9. From birth, this guy's been blind. All he's known is blindness. And one day, he meets Jesus. Isn't that cool? We spent a lot of time on that. I hope you think that's cool. But his whole life... He's been blind. He meets Jesus and Jesus heals him and he can see. He goes back to his hometown and I have a feeling people are asking him, so what about this Jesus Christ? And you know what? He simply says, well, all I can say is that I was blind. I met Jesus and now I can see. I wonder how many thousands of times that he has told that story. And people will come up and they'll say, well, no, 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 no. What happened? And he'll say, I'm telling you, I was blind, I met Jesus, and now I can see. Or how about the story of Zacchaeus that we looked at last week? Here's a guy whose whole life is about money and holding on tightly to money. Jesus meets him. They go to his house for dinner. At the end of that visit, Zacchaeus' hands open up. And it's not about money anymore. And he decides that he'll give four times as much to anyone that he stole, and he'll give half of his possessions to the poor. So what do you think he talks about for the rest of his life? He talks about his story. He says, my whole life was about holding on tightly to money. And I mean, I was tight. I stole from people. And Jesus came into my life, and all of a sudden my hands were opened, and now I want to be the most generous I can. I give half of everything I have to caring for the poor. That's my story. Or remember, there's a story in the Bible about a woman who was caught in adultery. I mean, can you imagine how embarrassing that situation must have been like? She's dragged out into a public square. She's uh, being prepared to be stoned. The shame and ridicule and how horrible she feels and her head's lowered and she's just shame-filled. And Jesus walks right in to this whole scenario as people are getting ready to throw stones into her body. And Jesus says, You know what? You guys, go ahead. Any of you without sin cast the first stone and all of a sudden all the stones started dropping. And Jesus walks up to her and He says, I don't condemn you. But don't sin like this anymore. Walk in a new way. You have freedom now. Walk in a new way. 
And for the rest of her life, I bet when people come up to her and they said, so what about this Jesus guy? He goes, well, all I know is that I reached a very low point in my life. Shame was in the mirror every time I looked. But then I met Jesus. He didn't condemn me. He showed me love. And now I live in freedom. What about my story? I wore a mask for the first 26 years of my life. I was a PK, a preacher's kid. You know, you had to look the right way. You had to act the right way. And there's all this pressure to kind of be a certain person. And I tried to impress people, make them feel that I had it all together. But I was only lying on the inside because I can't keep that image up. And have you ever tried to do that? You try to impress people and you just get tired and you get worn out. And finally, at the age of 26, I met the real Jesus, not the one that I grew up with, but the one who said, Chris, take off the mask. You don't have to wear a mask anymore. I love you just the way you are, as is. And I'll tell you what, since, since the age of 26, I live with acceptance and freedom from God that Chris Bunch, here he is. This is how he comes. You know, hook, line, and sinker, like it or not. And that's great freedom in my life. So when people come up to me and they say, well, why do you do what you do, Chris? And I just tell them, you know, For most of my life, I wore a mask trying to be this super religious person. And finally I realized I was just too tired. I couldn't do it anymore. And Jesus helped me take off the mask. He said, the person I see in the mirror is the person that I love and who I have great things in store for. And for the rest of my life, what I want to do for all of you and every single person in Muncie and Delaware County and all of East Central Indiana is help people take masks off and let them see their God-given potential. Folks, most of you have patterns just like this. You have a before and an after picture of your life. And people who are searching and seeking God, they really want to know, is God making a difference in your life? What was your life like before? And what is it like after? And it's so simple and yet so powerful to just like like take an inventory before and after. Let me give you a couple examples. For some of you, before you met Jesus, you were despairing. You were kind of despairing. But after you connected with Him, you became hopeful. Others of you, you felt guilty. You carried a huge amount of guilt. Some of you might be sitting here for the first time and you're like, I do feel guilty about a lot of stuff in my past. I'm telling you, you connect with Jesus, you get freed up. Freedom comes. Others of you, you were living a self-destructive life. Maybe it was drugs, alcohol, uh, sexual addiction, whatever it was, but you were down that road. And then all of a sudden God came into your life and there's people sitting right around you, folks, that have that story. And now they're healthy because of Jesus. 
Still others of you, you were fear-stricken, always fearful, even fearful of maybe coming out of your house or fearful of talking to other people or fearful that you were good enough. And all of a sudden, Jesus came into your life and now you have more confidence. Friends, your own before and after doesn't have to be more complicated than this. I mean, it's really that simple of a concept. But you know what happens is, it's something that we just make more difficult. We get overwhelmed by in the process. We confuse people when we tell our story, rather than helping them out. So I'm going to give you just quick four suggestions when you think about writing down your story to think about. First of all, don't make it long. I can't tell you how many people that I've ever connected with before, and uh, they start telling me about Jesus. And, you know, you start on March 15th, and next thing you know, it's Christmas. I grew this goatee listening to somebody one time. Tell it briefly. And for the love of God and country and neighbors, be very brief, you know? Let the person ask a question. It'll free them up. And they'll want a little more. Here's the second thing that derails. It's when your story is fuzzy. There's no central theme. I mean... You know, there's like 20 different plots. When you were one, and then when you were 29, and then you forgot that you got baptized when you were 16, and I got a divorce, and all these plots are going, and then you pull out a book, and you go, oh, this book, that was helpful. And I read 26 books, and I had these supernatural experiences. I was at a conference one time, and this guy said something, whoa, you know, I walked down an aisle at a Billy Graham event, and whoa, you know, and... Just stick to the theme. And don't tell weird God stories. We all have weird God stories. Even if you're here for the first time, there's a weird God story in your life. Mine happened a couple of months ago. Jen and I were in a bumpy place in our marriage. And uh, I woke up one morning, I'm like, God, this marriage is not working. I think it's all her fault. And, you know, what, what's going on? And all of a sudden, I had this image of handcuffs, that I was handcuffed to my pride and selfishness and wanting all of my way, and that's why I didn't have any freedom in my marriage. I thought, man, that makes sense. That week, I was teaching on debt. And Isaac, Pastor Isaac, came to me and he said, man, I got this great illustration on how handcuffs can be used to talk about debt. I'm going, whoa. And then I, I'm at the Ball State Library working on the teaching, and I walk out, and while I'm walking to my car, out on the cement are, is this uh, keychain. Guess what it is? Handcuffs. Now, that was great for my marriage and to help me to get rid of my pride and selfishness. But you know what? I don't go up to strangers or someone who says, hey, you know, I want to know a little bit more about God. And the first card I lay down on them is, man, I got a story about handcuffs. 
I was walking down a road and I, I you know, I felt this, this, this dream of handcuffs and got my marriage together. And then the pastor came and he told me about handcuffs. And then I was walking down a road and I found some handcuffs. What are you handcuffed to? People don't need to know about my little weird handcuff stuff, you know? They don't. Here's the third thing. Don't use religious terminology. You know, Chinese is hard to understand. You know what's even harder? Christianese. You know what Christianese is? Justification, salvation, sanctification. Or when people say, well, I just accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. What's that about? Is that like a code word, you know, for people that go to church? What's that mean? Friends, use normal talk, not God talk. Last thing, superiority. Don't have any superiority whenever you're talking to somebody about God. No preaching, no judgment, no like I have it all together. I mean, if you want a non-church person to head for the hills, you want them to never ever permanently kind of walk away from God, tell them that you have your act together, they don't, and they need to get theirs together. Now, I want to challenge you this week to write your story. It's got to be a hundred words or less, but tell me your story. And uh, mine, mine is 83 words. And if you send it in to me, I want you to do that. Send it on email. It'll come up. It's in your program, too. You can send your story to me, and I will respond to it. I'll tell you the things that are good, things that I'd think about differently, whatever. Now, let me just tell you this before you send anything. If you ramble, if what you have typed is more than two screens, I'm coming after you. Just know it right now, okay? Can you go over a few, over a hundred? No problem. Under that, I'm going for it. Now, if it's got a weird God story in, don't even turn your computer on. Just walk away, you know? Take a few days, get all the weird God things out, and then come back. And if it's arrogant, I'm coming after you too, okay? Just get the story right, folks, because it's so important. And I know some of you, uh, I really encourage you to do that. Sit down, think about it, do it. We're going to share communion right now. And I can't think of a more powerful story that uh, has ever been told in the history of humankind than the story that we just kind of illustrated when God sent Jesus to earth and He gave His life for every single one of us, all of our sins, all of our faults, mess-ups, screw-ups, love-ups, whatever, because He loves us that much. And before He died on the cross, He said, I want you to remember this. And he said, I'm going to give you a couple of symbols that you would remember my amazing love for you. And he gave us a bread and he gave us a cup. And what I'd like you to do is just take a few moments. The band might play just kind of softly, but just a few moments. And thank God for the things in your life. If today's your first day and you're like, I don't know what, just thank him for something and and then maybe you could confess your sins. And if there is, you know, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe today you're like, you know what, I'm ready to take one more step closer to Him. Not because of what Bunch said, but 
God's Spirit just kind of talked to me this morning and said, you know what, I'm ready to take another step. That um, you can go to any of these tables. And what we want you to do is when you get to those tables that you would just take a piece of the bread and tear it off like that. Dip it in to the juice. And remember of God's amazing love for you. So I'd like you to take 30 seconds, a minute, whatever, but confess anything that separates you from God and to thank Him for the things that He's given you. You can go to one of these tables, and when you're done, come back. Don't run off. Just come back, and we'll close with a song. And uh, while we get ready to open this time of silence, let me just pray for you. God, uh, you brought every single person here today for a reason. It's not by accident that they're here. And we thank you for your story. And we thank you for the fact that you've intersected our story. And right now, God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who gave us the greatest story ever told as he went and died upon a cross for every sin in our life and that when we turn to him, we are forgiven. So God, help us now to reflect on that just for a few moments.
let's uh, let's pray. God, uh, thank you so much for your story of sending your Son Jesus to bridge the chasm between us and you, and that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you for the love and forgiveness that you give to us even when we don't deserve it, especially me. And help us to understand how to know your story, to know our story, and how to share them well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look forward to having your stories. Continue to read and uh, walk across the room. Have a great week. Know your love in this place.